Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 29. Psalm 29. Let's take up from our time we spent looking at this psalm this morning and add a few thoughts to it. Psalm 29. I hope that you'll remember that this psalm is about thunder. And the next time a great thunderstorm comes, that you will enjoy it. I hope you do. Some of you may already. To get outside and feel it. Hear it. Feel it shake the earth. Amen. The Lord's voice is majestic and it's powerful. And may we delight in it. And there is comfort to be had from a consideration of the voice of God because that's what the psalmist tells us. Right. The Holy Spirit tells us the reason you have Psalm 29, 1 through 10 is for verse 11. And I want to read that again. The Lord will give strength unto His people. Amen. When you're weak and do not think that you can do something, He is able to give you strength. The Lord will bless His people with peace. Amen. No matter your opponent, your foe, or your enemy, God is able to take away that enemy and give you peace. And all of it's predicated in the fact of His voice. We speak, and we have to work to be heard in a room with a few acoustical tiles. He speaks, and the cedars of Lebanon are broken. Amen. The hinds calve, the forests are denuded, the flames of fire are divided, being the lightning... And the earth trembles. The, the wilderness of Kadesh Barnea shakes at the voice of the Lord. And I want us to think about the voice of the Lord tonight in some other respects. Look at Psalm 46 and verse 6. This is going to be a Bible study about the voice of the Lord. Psalm 46, verse 6. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. Amen. And you want to talk about a king that has power in political affairs? He is able to utter his voice and the earth melts. I hope that you know with the election coming up in only nine days, we already worship the king of kings and no one's going to remove him from office. Amen. We worship the Lord of lords. No one's going to impeach him or assassinate him. The Lord Jesus Christ sits on the throne of heaven forever and ever. And we can put our trust in that forever. Right. Look at Psalm 68. Psalm 68 and verse 33. To him that rideth upon the heavens of heavens, which were of old, lo, he doth send out his voice, and that a mighty voice. Amen. Psalm 68, 33. Amen. Now what does he ride? You like your wheels? To him that rideth upon the heavens of heavens, which were of old. Now, I can't even really visualize God riding on the heavens of heavens from eternity past. But that's what the Bible says He rides. And when He utters His voice, it is a mighty voice. Amen. Praise His glorious name. Amen. Are your problems too great for His voice? No. All He has to do is say, prosper. And I want to tell you something. You will prosper and I am not Benny Hinn. I do not have a social gospel for you tonight. If it's your health, he can say, be healed. I will be thou clean. Amen. And I want to tell you something. You're healed. Mm -hmm. And he will reach forth that voice of his for all those that put their trust in him right. completely. Amen. Sometimes he may have to bring us low before we really give it all to him. But when he speaks, things happen. This is the God that we worship. We need not fear anything in this earth. We need not fear anything at the moment of death. He speaks and men live. 
Right, and we want to see that, and we want to rejoice in it. God isn't like a man. Do you know he said when men speak, they can't keep their word many times. They have to repent for what they said, because they can't perform what they promised. Numbers twenty three nineteen. But the strength of Israel is not like a man. He does not repent. When he purposes to do something and he promises something, it will come to pass. So sure is that when God speaks, he doesn't use verb tenses the way we do, because he is able to call those things which are not yet done as if they were already completed. Abraham, I have made thee a father of many nations. When Abraham did not have children, I have made thee a father of many nations. Because when God speaks, he can perform, and that is the God that we worship, and his son Jesus Christ is God in the flesh with all the power in that wonderful voice of his. And he sits at the pinnacle of power tonight on your behalf and my behalf. He is made head over all things for the church. Amen. For the church. He's been promoted to take care of all of us. And he will by the power of his voice. Psalm 33. Psalm 33 in verse 9. I want to read verse 8, because I like verse 8, and it goes with it. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. That doesn't sound like casual worship to me, does it to you? Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. That is the word of our God, and we should stand in awe of Him. He is awesome, and He is awesome to be praised. And we should give Him the best praise of our lips and of our hearts because of His greatness. There's no problem you face that He cannot eliminate with a word from His tongue. This is our Lord, and we want to trust Him tonight. There's so many verses that I could turn to. This could be a series, but I don't want it to be a series. Isaiah 46. Turn to Isaiah 46. I want you to know something about the great God of heaven. This is him calling a king. Kingdoms move. Kings go to war because God tells them to. They don't know why they're going except out of the greed of their own hearts. But God is using them for his great purposes. And here we have a statement in Isaiah 46 and verse 11 about him calling a ravenous bird from the east. The Assyrian or the Babylonian empire. The man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. That is the God we worship. He can take care of you. You can put your, you can find strength in Him and He will give you peace by eliminating those things that disquiet your life if you will give Him everything He will speak on your behalf. Put your trust in Him tonight. Amen. Turn to Hebrews chapter 1, please. Hebrews chapter 1. I want you to see that the power of the voice of God in the Old Testament is found now in the power of the voice of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus is Jehovah. Hebrews 1 and verse 3, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, it says of Him, 
Hebrews 1.3, who being the brightness of his glory. Didn't Paul say we have this treasure in an earthen vessel? That God hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Yep. Where is all the glory of God? It is in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. What's the glory of God? The most benevolent face that you will ever see in all of your life. Right. Mm-hmm. It's got that side too, brethren. Amen. Let me tell you something about the voice of the Son of God. It can also say, Mary, and Mary melts. Right. Because Mary knows who said that word, even though the same man had just said, Woman, why weepest thou? And she thought he was the gardener. Mm-hmm. Because God is a benevolent, kind, gracious, merciful, long-suffering being. And it's all wrapped up in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the express image, the brightness of his glory and the express image of the person of God. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. Amen. Do you like that about the Lord Jesus Christ? If anybody ever asked you, do you believe that Jesus is God? Tell them, I believe that Jesus is Jehovah. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. What part of your body do you think tonight might fail first? He upholds all things by the word of his power. How do you think you came into existence? Where did you come from? He spoke and you existed. Your parents conceived you by the power of the voice of the Son of God. Right. He's the creator of all things and without him was nothing made that was made. Amen. He created you. He brought you here tonight. And let's rejoice and glory in his great name and believe this verse that says he upholds all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down the right hand of the majesty on high. Those are beautiful words. Amen. Amen. They're precious. Turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Jesus has come to his hometown of Nazareth. He enters into the synagogue and he reads the scriptures. He preaches a very short sermon to them about election. They try to kill him. He leaves town. We come to Luke chapter 4 and verse 33. And he comes to Capernaum, a nearby city. And he enters into that synagogue. And this is one of my favorite explanations about the voice of the Son of God. Luke chapter 4 and verse 33. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil, and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone! What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him, and hurt him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. His fame went everywhere for the power of his voice. I want to tell you, we we are sheltered. We are sheltered that we have not been able to live in situations like this where there were devil-possessed men in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ 
because we would have had a visual explanation to us of a warfare going on in the universe that we seldom think about. Because here's a man with his eyes rolled up into his head or else staring and his vocal cords being used by a devil to speak to the Son of God. And everyone there is present realizing, and the hair, Job says that when you're in the presence of one of them, the hair all over your body stands up on end. You would stand up on end to see a man out of control and a spirit of another world that we cannot see addressing the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, we know who you are. You're the, the Holy One of God. And Jesus told him to shut up and get out. Amen. And what did he do? He came out. Now everybody says, but he threw him down in the midst. The poor man got thrown down. That's why the Holy Spirit told you he wasn't hurt. Right, right. He was in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you worship a great Savior tonight? Amen. Amen. I've seen Benny Hinn work and work and work. I've seen Benny Hinn work on some so long they had to take them off the stage because they wouldn't fall down. I wanted to pay the man. I don't mean Benny. I mean the one that wouldn't fall down. If I'd have met the man, I'd have given him a 20, you know, just for giving me a good show. Because he just stood there, and, ben, and Benny kept, you know, or, and the man wouldn't go down. I want to tell you something about the Lord Jesus Christ. He never had any difficulty with any devil. Right. It didn't matter when they said, our name is Legion. Our name is Legion. There's 6,000 of us. He said, come out of that man. And that man was in his right mind from that moment forward. Amen. And they said, can we go into pigs? And he gave them leave. Listen, they can't even go into a pig without the Lord Jesus Christ saying, yes, you may. I hope you believe that. Amen. Look at Mark chapter 5. Let's look at that man's life. Mark chapter 5. The Gadarene. The Gadarene. We're told about him in... Three gospel accounts. Verse 6 of Mark 5, When he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. This is the devil speaking, afraid of the torment that Jesus Christ could unleash on this devil. For he said unto him, Jesus said, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. An order had been issued by Jesus Christ. And he, Jesus, asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Are you able to follow singular and plural pronouns? He besought them. That means there was one voice speaking for them. The hairs would stand up on your body. Job said, try being in a dark room one night with him. He said, when it passed by in front of me, the hairs stood up. I've tried to preach to you about the prince of the power of the air. There's power in this air that's out of sight of our eyes. But there is power out of the sight of our eyes that is greater than any power they can even imagine. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want any of you to be frightened of the devil any more than you ought to be frightened of him. And that's to put all of your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't need to wear a crucifix. 
And you don't have to go to sleep at night with a Bible on your chest. All you have to do is commit yourself to the Lord Jesus to save you, and He will save you. Verse 12, And all the devils besought Him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. They had to get permission to go into pigs. That is the voice of the Lord that we worship. Come back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Did we read this today in 2 Corinthians chapter 4? Do you remember these words? But God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts. This is Paul speaking about himself and Timothy. The knowledge that I have of Jesus Christ and that I, that I know the glory of God is all in the Lord Jesus Christ, that knowledge was shined into me by the power of God, just as He shined light in the beginning. The Bible tells us, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. There was nothing on it. It had no form, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Do you know how dark it was? Was there a star? Was there a little twinkling star? No. Was there a moon? No. A sun? No. Street lights? No. Airplane lights? No. A candle? A flashlight? Anything? No. No. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. Do you know how dark it is in the deep waters? Well, it was just as dark on top of the waters because there was no light at all. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Let there be light. His voice. He can divide the bolts of lightning, as Psalm 29 told us, and He can create light. Now, we don't have time to stay on any of these, but I want you to think for a moment. And we've thought about this before. He created light, but where was the sun? It was three days later that He made the sun. Where was the moon? Three days later. Where were the stars three days later? Now, wait a minute. How can you create light without a source of light? You may look through your life and say, there's no way God can get me out of this mess. Sorry, he can get you out easily. The Gadarene thought that too. But the Gadarene was delivered from a legion of devils. And this earth that was so dark had light delivered to it without the sources of light. On the fourth day, he made the sun, the moon, and the stars. Now, I want to ask you another question. Did Adam see the stars? If God created the stars on the fourth day, and it takes many light years for the light of a star to get to earth, did Adam ever see the stars? Amen. Do you mean he created the string of light from the star at the same time? (laughs) Is he beautiful? beautiful? The Lord is wonderful in all that he does. They can sit around and calculate all the light years they want to. When God created a star, He created the light stream to the earth as well. In fact, He created the light streams first. Then He added the bodies behind them. That's our Lord. And do you know how He did it? With His voice. And God said, let there be light. You know, when we want to do anything big, we have to work hard. We sweat. we got to eat more. we got to live. You know, we got to get in shape. To do anything big, all God says is a word, and it happens. He does not have to exert himself. He just speaks, and it is done. 
Do you trust him to speak on your behalf? You say, well, I don't know if he loves me enough to speak on my behalf. He has already spoken on your behalf. You wouldn't exist physically, and you wouldn't be here tonight if he hadn't already spoken on your behalf. Amen. You look through your life, and if you can't see where he's spoken to you, I'll come and help you see where he's spoken to you. Because others in your family he didn't speak to. True. The Lord is good. Amen. And he has spoken on our behalf. Right. And he will speak on your behalf again. Turn to Job. Job chapter 1. What had God said about Job? <laughs> prosper. Had, had God said prosper? Amen. Did the devil know that? Yes. Yep. Did the devil know there was a hedge about Job, that anything Job touched was going to work? Mm-hmm. If he bought a stock, what direction was it going? Uh-huh. Up. If he sold a stock, what direction was it going? Down. Down. Did it all work out for Job like that? Amen. If he decided to get a bull and a couple cows, what did he have next year? Herd. Okay, okay. We've got the idea. God blessed Job and everything he did. And the devil knew it. Where did it all come from? God had just said, don't touch my servant Job. Leave him alone because I'm going to bless him. And the devil came and tried to tell the Lord that if you would take that hedge away, he'll curse you to your face. This is what the devil said in verse 11 of Job chapter 1. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. Do you know how carefully the Lord can tell Satan what he can do? And there, have you ever seen a dog with an invisible fence? Have you seen a dog come out of a house that's seeing an object that it wants to attack and it's got an invisible fence? It's doing about 90 miles an hour and it goes to zero in two feet. Have you ever seen that? Because they know that there's an invisible fence there. God said, you can have what he owns, but you can't touch Job. Did Satan touch Job? Did he even singe him personally? Not in chapter 1, because God wouldn't let him. I'm talking about the voice of the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ is on our side. He has died for you and for me. He sits in heaven waiting to bring us to heaven, to be with him forever. There is no power in heaven or in hell that can shake us. I am persuaded, Paul said, that neither angels nor principalities nor powers can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Chapter 2. He took away everything Job had. Satan did, but he didn't touch Job. Satan said in verse 4 of chapter 2, Skin for skin. Yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. Do you think Satan could have taken Job's life? Did he have the power to do it? Oh, easily. Did God let him? No. No. The voice of the Lord told the devil, the highest created being that we know of, that he couldn't touch the life of Job. And he had sore boils. Those little water blisters you get sometimes that are so irritating. You know, when I get them about the size of a pencil lead on one finger, if it gets between my fingers and it rubs, you know, it's very irritating to me. I just imagine Job being covered with those from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet, and he's sitting there scraping these boils. When the Bible says it was sore boils, and you know that the devil had been given free leash on him, free leash, except to take his life, you know it was horrible. 
but he couldn't take his life. Right. No matter what comes after you, there's a limit to it. The Lord just wants you to get down. Get down and put all your trust in him, and he can speak again prosper. Did he speak again prosper to Job? How did it work out? What was his return for the little experiment? Twice. A hundred percent return for some grief. The lessons in the Bible so that we will handle it better than Job did. That's what it's there for. Ezekiel 16. Ezekiel 16. What word is in Ezekiel 16? Amen. Ezekiel chapter 16. What's Israel compared to? An aborted child. A child thrown out in a field, left to die. Its navel wasn't cut. It wasn't washed. It wasn't suppled. It wasn't salted. It wasn't swaddled. No clothes. A little tiny baby is just laying there in the field with blood gushing out of its umbilical cord, or if it's if it just came out with the uh, placenta, it's just laying there with its placenta, laying in a field to die. That's how the Lord pictures the origin of Israel. We've been over this chapter before. It's a wonderful chapter. None I pitied this baby. Verse 5 of Ezekiel 16. None I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee. But thou wast cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. No one in here was born in as severe a circumstances as we have described right there. And the Lord God passed over this baby, and the Lord said, he goes on, he, he's describing here what he did for the baby, but in verse 6 he says, When I passed by thee, and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live. I have caused thee to multiply. And he goes on to describe the great things that Israel turned into. There was no nation. There was Abraham in the land of the Chaldeans. And God brought that man out. And he got a wife. And he had one son that counted Isaac. And Isaac had one son that counted. And God said, live to that nation. And they became great. David ruled an empire that stretched from the Euphrates River to the Nile River. A huge empire. He had outposts in all directions. And Solomon reigned over that land. And all nations were tributaries to the two of them. They were great. Because God said, live. And the Lord can say, live to you. And do you know what? Spiritually, He has said, live to us. Amen. He has said, live. And that is why you love anything about the God of heaven. is because He said, live to you. Right. Turn to Daniel chapter 4. You're not far away. Daniel chapter 4. Here are some words. That was one kingdom going up. The, the live to the baby was the kingdom. I turned you into a great kingdom. And here's a kingdom going down the other direction. A king going in the other direction. Daniel chapter 4 verses 28 through 33. All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel 4.29 At the end of twelve months... He walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, 
there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. And the greatest monarch that ever lived in the most secure job in the world was gone. He was on a leash out in the grass with the dew on his back. Who was going to fire him? Who was going to lay him off? Who was going to defeat Babylon? No one could. Babylon believed she could sit a queen forever. And Nebuchadnezzar was the greatest king. God said Nebuchadnezzar was the head of gold of the greatest empire in the history of the world. And God put him in a field with the words, The kingdom is departed from thee. He raises up kings and he puts kings down. Believe me, the two men that we're going to vote for in nine days, neither of them compare to King Nebuchadnezzar. God said he was the head of gold. And he can put a man down, he can put a man up, and he can change a man's heart from a man's heart to a beast's heart and back to a man's heart that blesses and praises and extols the high king of heaven. Amen. He's able to do all that. Do the most powerful thing you can do. It's not taking that little punch and punching the Republican button or punching the Democratic button in the at the polls. The most powerful thing you can do is to get down on your knees and tell the Lord that you believe he has this kind of power, and would he exert some of it on behalf of his people in this nation. Amen. And you can change the course of this nation. You won't change the course of the nation with your little puncher. But you can change it by prayer. Right. Because you're dealing with the God that sets kings up and puts kings down. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Has the God of heaven said, live to this nation in the past? Amen. Do you know how weak we were in the beginning? We were so weak. Have you read about that army we had at Valley Forge? Pitiful, man. Pitiful, right. not clothed, freezing, unfed, few arms, few little ammo. Mercenaries across the river partying. And what did the Lord say about the whole thing? Live. And our nation lived. Right. It's by the grace of God this nation amounted to anything. Here we were in a wilderness with few men. The Lord said, live and bless this nation abundantly. We're not great because we have great men. We have great men because God was great toward us. Amen. And, and I mean that in the past tense. We had great men. We have fewer of them today because the Lord's taking away many men. The Lord, has said, the Lord said, live to Israel. And the Lord said, live to this great nation. Matthew chapter 14 is the feeding of the 5,000. Matthew chapter 15 is the feeding of the 4,000. Matthew chapter 14, you all, you know the story. What happened here? How big was the lunch? Matthew 14. It's in verses 15 through 21. How big was the lunch? Five loaves and two fishes. How big was the crowd? Five thousand men beside women and children. What do we want to make it? A wife and two kids? Fifteen thousand? Twenty thousand? We have five loaves and two fishes and twenty thousand people, okay? Did they just eat breakfast that morning? Or are they all very hungry? Are they all very hungry? How much did they get to eat? Till they were all full. How much was taken up when it was over? Twelve baskets full. And when I put that into a calculator, it comes up error. 
It comes up error. Do you know what happened? The Lord took a little lunch in his hands and he lifted up his eyes to heaven. He said, Father, bless this. And do you know what happened? They fed 20,000 people. They all ate till they were full and there were 12 baskets full left over. That is your God. Sometimes, if, if we're honest with ourselves, I am, a, I am a very pitiful pastor. I'm a pitiful father, and I'm a pitiful husband. But I'll tell you something. There is a God in heaven that can take my little efforts as a pastor, my little efforts as a father, and my little efforts as a husband, and multiply them. And I put my trust in Him. Amen. I'll bring my little lunch to Him any day. Because I would sooner trust Him to take my five loaves and two fishes and make something of it than to think that I'm going to go to a store and buy enough. If you're following my analogy, yes. is your trust in the Lord. No man can be a perfect business owner. You do your reasonable best and you ask the Lord to multiply the loaves and the fishes. Do you all understand that there's a practical application? Listen, I don't want to just talk about the voice of the Lord unless we're going to put our trust in it. Right. Some of you are facing decisions with courts. We know the courts are slanted against fathers, especially against grandparents. Is that going to scare us? No. There's a God in heaven. We're going to put our trust in Him. Did He do the same thing in the next chapter to 4,000? Yeah. Yes, He did. Bless us. Wow! The voice of the Lord. All He did was take it and bless it. And they started breaking. You know, my family, especially my wife, always wants to know, how was the lunch distributed? You know, the Lord's holding this little time. What? Did they have a loaf? And when he'd tear it off, or he'd hand it to a man, did he have another one in his left hand? We don't know any of the details. It just kept coming. Right. Remember the widow woman yeah. in Elisha's day? Yeah, she just right. kept a pouring. And it just kept coming. <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah. What was what the prophet say? Bring your... Go get as many barrels and pots as you can gather from all the neighbors. Right. I, believe, I believe she had faith. I think the house was full because it gives us that impression. The house was full of vessels, and she's got this little canister of oil, and she just keeps it pouring because the Lord is able to do that. Right. Now, if you say to me right now, I need some of that oil. I need some of those loaves and fishes multiplied right now. Be careful about the words right now. The Lord will deliver you. There's a couple of conditions. He wants it on his timing when he believes you've learned a lesson of faith. Right. Second, he wants your whole heart. Are you holding out on the Lord on anything? Remember, he knows the desires and intents of your and, and thoughts and intents of your heart that I don't. And if he sees something there where you're cheating on him, he'll withhold the blessing. So don't blame the Lord. The Lord will take care of his children and he loves to do it. But he wants our obedience first and he wants our faith. And to build faith, he needs to make us see that we can't help ourselves for a while. He's got to bring us down to the bottom. When we're at the bottom, we realize we cannot deliver ourselves. He likes us in that position because then we say, Lord, if you don't save, I won't be saved. That's what he wants from us. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. I want three words out of verse 39. What are they? Peace! Be still! Who's the Lord speaking to when He said that? The winds and the waves. 
What was the adjective used to describe the storm before he said those words? A great storm. What is the adjective used to describe the calm after he said those words? A great calm. How flat do you think the water was after he said the words, peace, be still? Do you think it was a sheet of glass? And it was a great storm before. Look at what it says about the disciples. There was a great calm. And it says in verse 41, And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Oh, brethren, that's the God we worship. At Capernaum, they said, What a word is this? The disciples said, What a man is this, that is able to command the elements, as we call them, the wind and the waves, and they obey him. Instantly. The Lord is able to take care of a storm like that. He can take care of the little storm in your life. He sends the storm so that we will shed all trust and confidence in ourselves and put it all in Him. He will deliver again. He does deliver. Don't don't forsake Him. And don't think that He's left you because He hasn't. Turn to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. This is how Peter met the Lord. And Peter is going to leave the Lord in about the same circumstances at the end of his three and a half years with the Lord. And that's with sinking ships because they have too many fish on board. Sinking ships from too many fish on board. Luke chapter 5, Simon Peter has been fishing all night. And the Lord says to him, Simon... If you'll launch out into the deep, this is verse 4, and let down your nets, you'll get a draft of fish. Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Please follow the words. Look at those words right now. Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Right. Are there any words for you in the Bible? Are there any words of comfort and promise? Are you willing to trust those words of the Bible totally? He fished all night. He had to get that ship ready again, take it back out from shore, and put his nets down again. He said, Master, we've tried it all night long, but because you have given the word to do it, I'll do it. Do you have have that much trust? In every word of God, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He can renew your strength day by day. The righteous have never gone begging bread. Do you believe all those words? Verse 6, And when they had this done, when they had done what the Lord told them, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, James and John, to get over there, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. Now that is a fishing trip. We've worked all night long and didn't take anything. That's a bad, that's a nightmare. To work all night and not get any sleep and not catch a single fish. And the Lord says, go out there one more time and put your nets down. The net breaks, there's too many fish in it. You call your partners over and two boats begin to sink because of the take. 
That's the way the Lord does things when men put their trust in him and say, Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Some have said to me in my lifetime, I can't afford to give. (laughs) You mean you can't afford to go out and get two ships sinking from fish? What do you mean? What do you mean by those words, I can't afford to give? If the Lord says something in the Bible, let's trust him in his word and do it. Amen. He operates far above all the natural laws that you're thinking about because you've got a few bucks in your pocket. If you give those few bucks away, then what bucks will you have in your pocket? Because you don't see where they're coming from, and neither did Peter see this giant school of fish that were just waiting out there for him to row his boat out and drop the net down because of the voice of the Lord saying, Launch out. Are you willing to launch out? It happened again at the end of Peter's when our Lord went back to heaven in John chapter 21. That's, that's when he said, why don't you try the other side, children? Hey, children, do you have any meat? We've taken nothing. They're yelling across the water. Let your nets down on the other side. You know a fisherman giving some advice from shore. They let their nets down, just about tore that ship underwater again. And John says to Peter, That's the Lord, baby. That is the Lord. Who else could give us advice like that and have our nets full of fish? It's the Lord. Have we had the Lord in our lives before? He'll be there. I know that some of you are being tried in some ways. I want you to take confidence in Him. We keep doing what the Lord has called us to do. He will deliver again. He will. Luke chapter 5, verse 12. It came to pass when he was in a certain city. Behold, a man full of leprosy. That is not a good condition. Leprosy is bad enough, but to be full of it is real bad. Who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he told him to go and show himself to the priest and offer for his cleansing. And if there was ever a strict standard to meet, to know that you were cleansed from leprosy, it's the standard of the Levitical law. This man was ready for it because when Jesus heals, it is a healing. Luke chapter 7 and verse 11. You know the event here. It's the city of Nain. There's a funeral. When Jesus attends a funeral, don't plan on making it to the cemetery. That's right. (laughs) Because we've got a widow woman with a funeral procession and a young man laid up there as stiff as a board on a funeral bier being taken to the cemetery. Jesus sees the widow woman weeping. She's lost her husband. Now she's lost her son. I want to tell you something about the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ sees a condition like that, do you know what it says about him? He had compassion on her. Right. Compassion. With passion. He had fervent affection for that widow woman. What did he say to her? Don't cry. Weep not in your King James Bibles. Don't cry. And he walked over and stopped the funeral procession. And what did he say then? Young man, arise. And what happened? The man sat up and began talking and he delivered him to his mother. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that was a pretty hopeless case. I would say that was pretty hopeless. 
but nothing's hopeless when Jesus Christ is involved, because he can undo what appears to be hopeless to men. You don't forget the 12-year-old daughter of Jairus, do you? It's just shorter. Made, arise. Now, parents, would you give her something to eat? She's hungry. She's been laying there for a while, and you haven't fed her. Well, she's been dead. That's the Lord and the power of his voice. Right. When he says, arise, if he spoke it to a stone, what would it do? (laughs) Amen. It would praise him. There is no limit to the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's our Savior. He's our brother. He's our friend. I spent several hours today with a name dropper. But do you know the name that I didn't hear dropped? Mm -hmm. The Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I only want one real friend, and the rest of you are plenty in addition to that one. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He can do everything for me. He loves more faithfully. He performs more completely. He'll never forsake me. He's always there, and He's going to get me to heaven. He's always helped me. He's always forgiven me. And trust me, I've offended Him more than once. That's the name we want to drop. That's the name we want to think about. That's the name we want to trust. That's the name we want to serve. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. What if the ten richest men in the world were our best friends? What can they do for us? If they're older than you, you're all going to be at, you're going to be at every one of their funerals and see them as just a piece of clay in a casket. They cannot do anything for you. The Lord Jesus Christ has already been in that tomb and came out of it for you. Put your trust in Him tonight. He's got a voice and His Word can save you. Now look at Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. This is a centurion with some faith. This is faith-based living. This man understood the power of God. And Jesus said about him, I have not seen so great faith, not in all of Israel. Now, do you know what he was trusting in? What I'm trying to teach you tonight. The power of the voice of the Son of God. He totally trusted it. This man understood authority. You know, they they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Let's use it in this way. This man had godliness, and he understood power of authority. Look at, look at how it turned, how the story goes. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5, When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Amen. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth. And to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Verse 13, Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. That man understood authority. 
Here's a middle-ranking officer in the Roman army who understood that when he told one of his servants to do this, the servant went and done it, or he told a soldier to go do something, he would go and do it. And he said, Lord, I know you have the authority over all sickness. All you have to do is say the word. Do you go to prayer with that kind of confidence? Now remember, Jesus said, if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. Jesus said this man had greater faith than anyone he had met in Israel. Are you able to make any connections? Great faith is bringing your great problems to the Lord and telling him, I know that you have authority to command with a word to solve this whole thing. I beg thee, Lord. I beseech thee like the centurion in Matthew chapter 8. Will you speak the word and take away my problem? That is faith. And he's told you right here. What is great faith? How dead was Lazarus? Had he just fainted? What did his sisters think of his condition? A stinking condition? Because he'd been dead for four days? How long did it take him to respond? Lazarus, come forth. The order was given and Lazarus came forth in his grave clothes. I hope you believe that. Now turn to John chapter 5 and verse 25. Has Jesus ever spoken on your behalf? We're here physically because He spoke on our behalf. He created us. And we're here spiritually because He spoke on our behalf. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is John 5.25. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. By the context of this verse, because verse 24 is talking about being passed from death into life, we understand that context to be regeneration, being born again. In Revelation chapter 20 and verse 6, it's called the first resurrection. The second resurrection is when your bodies are delivered from the grave. The first is when your soul is delivered from a state of death and trespasses and sins. And how does it occur? By the voice of the Son of God. There's hardly a church in America left that preaches that regeneration is by the voice of the Son of God. They believe it's by the pastor's voice, the missionary's voice, the taped message, the taped voice, the singing voice, the soul winner's voice. But it's the voice of the Son of God. He speaks and men live. Because he says, live to their souls, and they come to life. Look at what it says in verses 28 and 29, so that you can see there are two resurrections here. The resurrection of the soul in verse 25, the resurrection of the bodies in verses 28 and 29. There's a parallelism. Verse 28, marvel not at this, what I've just told you in 25. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, into which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. And shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Don't marvel about being born again by the voice of the Son of God, because I'll give you something else that's going to happen. I'm going to bring every body, every single human body, out of the grave. It doesn't matter if they've been cremated, professionally, or cremated, or destroyed. 
God is going to put those bodies back together by the power of the voice of the Son of God, and they will all stand before Him. It tells me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God. But I want you to notice in there it says, The Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Come forth! And I want to tell you there's not a body in the earth that will not come forth. That's right. Whether they want to or not. Whether they know the judgment is coming or not. Every one of those bodies will be put back together because by Him all things consist. There isn't an atom in the universe that isn't under the total power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when He says come forth, every body will be put back together and they will all stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what the Bible teaches. That is what we believe. That is what we are racing toward. Are we living in the light of that? He will resurrect all the bodies by the power of His voice. And He resurrects our souls by the power of His voice. And if you love Him tonight... And if you love His Word, and if you want to live for Him, I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ spoke to you. Amen. You didn't hear it audibly, but He changed your soul. He recreated you on the inside and gave you a new man that loves the things of the Spirit of God. Look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10. You've got one big problem. You are not a Jew. Jesus was a minister of the circumcision. Jesus was a preacher to the Jews. John chapter 10. Watch this verse. Verse 15. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. What sheep were those in verse 15? Jewish sheep. Look at verse 16. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. I have a whole lot of other elect that are not part of this Israelite nation. And other sheep have I, I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. There There are souls in the universe that God has told Jesus He must bring. Who are they? He must bring. Jesus doesn't offer salvation. Jesus must bring them. Who are they? The ones God gave to him to save, and of which he will lose none of them. This is the word of God. This is the gospel. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. The one fold is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one shepherd is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And they shall hear his voice. He will speak to us Gentiles. And look at this assembly tonight. We're Gentiles. But we've heard his voice. We are his sheep. He laid down his life for us. And he must bring us. And he will bring us. Because there's no power in heaven or in hell that can stop him from doing the Father's will. Amen. He said that in John chapter 10. And I want to tell you, he said three words a few chapters later when he hung on the cross of Calvary. And what words do you think I'm thinking about? It is finished. And what happened in that temple? The way into God was opened wide. What happened in the cemeteries? The rocks were rent and the graves were opened. What happened to the sun while he was on the cross? 
it was hidden and darkness covered the earth. When he said it is finished, enormous things happened because it was finished. Amen. Right. When Jesus says it is finished, if you've learned anything at all tonight, it was finished. Amen. He had paid the price for all our sins. Amen. Is your trust in him tonight? No trust in yourself? Brethren, we're going to hear his voice again one of these days. Amen. He is going to say to some, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. There is no attorney or mediator. There is no hung jury. There is no retrial. When the Lord Jesus Christ says, Depart from me. All the angels of heaven and the devils of hell will escort you to your eternal rest. Except there won't be any rest. Right. It'll be the torments of hell forever. With those words from the voice of the Son of God. Or, Jesus will say, Come, ye loved of my Father, and enter into the inheritance prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. Amen. And there is no power in heaven or in hell that will keep you from enjoying that. Right. And the Apostle Paul knew that right well. This is the voice of the Son of God. All, he upholds all things by the word of His power. Our salvation is by His word. And one day His word is going to speak on our behalf, raise us from the graves, and welcome us into heaven. If you have trials afflicting you, facing you, put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's able to deliver you. Put your soul in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has the power to deliver you from any enemy. He has the strength to get you through any trial. And He will see you all the way into heaven. He will not lose a single one. Right. You do not need to wonder about the fine line. If you're here tonight and you love the Lord Jesus Christ... And you want to serve Him. You are one of His. And He was commissioned that He had to bring you. And He will. Amen. May the Lord bless all of you. And let us delight in His name. Do you know what it says in Psalm 29 and verse 9? In His temple, they all speak of His glory. Amen. Let's have a church that all speaks of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.